Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. My name is Joel Berry. I help out with Kids Zone here, and I am speaking today. Pastor Alex is out of state. So, where are we? We are in week four of an eight week series called Unstuck, where we're looking at patterns of thought that you and I have, and we can get really stuck in these thoughts, and they're so common that I don't think it's going to be hard for you or I to identify um, when these thoughts happen, but we're going to. Um, A few weeks ago, Pastor Alex kicked off this sermon series, and he kind of listed these different thoughts that we have. Uh, I'm too tired. It's not fair. uh, It's not worth it. I'm the only one. All of these things that we think. And uh, back on that day, Pastor Alex was like, I want you to look through this list and circle the one that maybe you struggle with the most or whatever. So I looked through the list and I circled. And then I knew, I was like, I'm going to be speaking in a few weeks. I wonder which one I'm going to be speaking on. Anybody have a guess? That was the one. It's not what I want. Um, And that comes up a lot in my life. And you can think through your own life, in your life. Just take a moment. Just to yourself, think about this. Can you think of a moment right now in your life since you've been alive where you were in a situation and you said, this is not what I want? Okay. In the last year, can you think of a situation where you were in a circumstance or whatever? This is not what I want. In the last week, can you think of a situation where something happened and you got news or or something, a conversation, someone said something, you said something, and you're, this is not what I want. In the last week, maybe? Today, before you got to church, have you encountered anything this morning that competed with your goals and you thought, this is not what I want? Yeah, me too. All the time. So what we want to do with this, first of all, we want to start recognizing it, that we have these thoughts. And it's easy to figure out, yeah, I've got those thoughts. And what we want to do today is try to make some progress and get some traction looking at the Word of God, how we can actually make progress uh, dealing with it. it's not what I want. We don't want to lie to ourselves and say, oh, yeah, this is what I want. This is great. Everything's great. If it's not, it's not. But how can we, we let God use these circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in for good For his glory and for your good and for my good, because that's how it works. I want to show you a picture. Uh, This is from the 1980s, um, and I I grew up in a small town in Arkansas. And so here I am at recess. That's me. You probably can't see me because I'm up to my neck in camouflage, but that's me right there. And I've got on sunglasses. This is my friend Joe. He's got on a fake mohawk. Why wouldn't he? I don't know. And then James. These are two of my best friends. He's got his bandana on. We were break dancers. I don't know if you can tell by the picture, but we were break dancers. And I... I thought I was pretty cool. I mean, judging by the sunglasses, I, I don't see anyone else with sunglasses on that day, but apparently it even looks kind of overcast, but I've got on sunglasses. And so we were, we were breakdancers. We were cool. Nothing says cool like doing a head spin on pavement, but that's what we did. What, what I'm standing on here, you'll see this, there's a road that runs there and through here. Um, that's where the buses drop kids off, right? That's the bus road, but that's before or after school. So during recess, we're on there breakdancing, and you think, oh, that's cool, Joel. You probably rode that bus to school in your little town and got up. No, I didn't, because where I'm standing right here, I could look across the street and see my house. I lived right there. I could walk home if I wanted to. So I had, I had the life. I loved my life. It was a small town. I knew everybody. I had good friends. I thought I knew how to breakdance. I lived right across from the school. And this was the 1980s where the two messages we got all the time were just say no, Say no to drugs. I mean, we were told all the time. It's like you, you almost wouldn't let someone finish the sentence. Hey, you want to? No. 
I was just going to see if you wanted some ice cream. Oh, I didn't know. I just, I just know I should say no first, and then we get into it later. But then the other thing was, uh, do not talk to strangers. Don't you do it. Don't get in it. You're going to get in a car with somebody, and you're, we're never going to see you again. And so I remember the big thing they said, the big trick that kidnappers did was they're like, hey, your mom told, told me to come pick you up. And I was so ready for that line. Because when I'm walking home from school, I was going to tell them, oh, yeah, well, I live right there. And then I was going to run home. I had it all planned out. I never thought that now I'd told the bad guy where I lived. But that was, all of this was, was my life in town, and I loved it. And at the end of my fifth grade year, my dad said, we're moving to California. And this was not what I wanted. This is what I wanted. I had it. I didn't need any changes. I didn't need any adjustments. And I was, at the end of my fifth grade year, I was 11, and I thought, that was the first big moment. You know, when I asked you at the beginning, can you think of a moment in your life? And there's the big ones. Death, divorce, you name it. And for me, it was being uprooted from a little town in Arkansas that I loved to move to Sacramento, California, which was way bigger, way bigger. And so I told my parents this, I will move to California, but I will not smile. Now, I didn't think of all the repercussions, but I mean, you think like Christmas photos, yearbook pictures, you name it. Uh, you'll see, you want to see this smile? This is the last time you're going to see it because once we leave Arkansas, it's gone. I'm done. And that was the deal I made with them. And a lady at the bank in Arkansas uh, told my dad, do not move those boys. I have an older brother, so to, don't move those boys to California. You're going to move to California. They're going to marry a girl from California. And I think she said, no, never come back to Arkansas. That's what she told my dad. I'll let you know how that story ends later. But... Um, I did not want this. I did not want this. And I think in your life, you can figure out situations and think pretty quickly of when you encounter something where you're just, I don't want this and there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing that I can do about it. Uh, my dad had prayed and my parents had, had let out and they took a step of faith to move from Arkansas to Sacramento. And I had to go. Couldn't raise myself. Had to go. And so me and my brother, we moved with them. And... and um, We're going to take a look today at a story in the book of Judges in the Bible, in the Old Testament of the Bible, Judges 4 and 5, at a situation where someone encounters something that they didn't want and how they handled it. And the reason we look at these truths from the Scripture is because God has given us a playbook. God has given us an entire library. The Bible is 66 books. It's not one book. It's 66 that make up a library of books of how he works through people and in this world and what he's doing and done for us. And so we can go back and look at how he's worked in other people's lives. Oh, that's the character of God right there. So we're going to be looking at a story today. We're not going to read, I'm not reading uh, the entire two chapters of Judges 4 and 5, but I do want to give a, a brief kind of summary of the context of this story before we look at a few key verses. This is um, uh, Israel, the, the nation of Israel has rebelled against God. And their story is oftentimes like our story. There's seasons of life where, yes, God, I love you. I want to do what you, you think, but, oh, there's something shiny over here. Never mind. And, and we, we get off track. It's easy to get off track. Well, Israel had rebelled, and they had been under uh, the p- power of the Canaanites. And they had, a, they had a leader named Jabin. So Jabin had oppressed Israel for 20 years. They'd been under this oppression, Israel had. And they decided, hey, there's a God who loves us, and he's actually come through for us. Let's turn to him. So uh, in my life and your life, we hope it doesn't take 20 years, but sometimes 
there's things that take a while for God to get our, for us to turn to God about. So they turn to God. God has a, a prophet, and her name's Deborah in, in Israel, and she says, I'm going to go to Barak, and Barak was a military leader in Israel, and I've got a word for you, Barak. Uh, uh, you guys want to turn to God, and you, you want to be done with the, the rules of the Canaanites. So she said, uh, God has promised you victory. That's good news. It's like, hey, you don't want to be under the power of these oppressors. You don't have to be anymore. That's the good news. Barak, I want you to, uh, I want you to, um, well, let's look at these verses. I want you, she wants him to lead them into battle. So this is Judges chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Uh, 6 right here. So she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinah, and from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. So she's telling him what to do. And then verse 7, And I will draw Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots, and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Now, we'll get to verse 8 in a second. So what was just promised was victory. Now, if you're, if you're like me, that's what I want to get. We were watching a movie the other night in my home, uh, and it was not one we usually would watch. It was a little, a little more of a thriller, scary, and I'd seen it. So my, my wife's like, I'm not really enjoying this. And I said, everybody in this scene makes it out alive. And she's like, okay. I just, like, you, sometimes you just need to know, is this going to be okay? And then I can relax and watch the rest of this scene. And so at the beginning of this, there's this, um, there's this promise of victory. So you go to a military leader in Israel and you say, guess what? I'm Deborah, I'm a prophet from God, and you have victory. And that's probably like pretty exciting news. Then we get into uh, verse 8. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. What this is, verse 8, is it's not what I want. You've been promised victory, and Barak's like, eh, can you go with me? I know you're a prophet, and I'm the, I'm the military leader, but I'm not going to do it unless you come with me. That's what's happening here. It's not what I want. Now, you and I have, in every season of life, it's not what I want. If you're younger, you want to stay up later, or you want to play seven hours of video games instead of one, or whatever it may be. We have things that we want all through every season of life. My daughter got her driver's license in the last couple of weeks. Pretty exciting in our home. She wanted that. If you ever think back of when you wanted your driver's license and when you got it, that season seems like a long season. The first time we went, I didn't, we didn't have all the paperwork we needed. She was there to take her test, and they're like, you got you to schedule it again and come back. So she had to wait to get it in that two weeks or whatever it was. Felt like a long time. Not what she wanted. Not what we wanted. Then... Uh, you're single, and you're like, hmm, this isn't what I want. Sure would like to date somebody, right? We get to those seasons in life. Then you date somebody, and you're like, this is cool, but I want to be married. Then we get married, and we're like, oh, this, this takes some work, right? And so it's not that you necessarily you don't want that person in that relationship. There's a lot in that relationship that's got to be handled, and work through. And, and, and we know the truth. Marriages have dissolved. They do dissolve, and bad things happen. And we don't want that either. Or maybe you are ready to have kids, and you can't. You're not, you're, you're not pregnant. You're not getting pregnant. And that news is devastating if you're ready to be a parent. That's not what you want. Then you have kids. And you're like, wow, this is a little more work than I thought, too. 
And then uh, every season, every stage of their life is a little different. It's not one, I can't parent my three-year-old like I parent my 13-year-old, right? So there's different seasons of life. And then you think, well, if I get, if I get this degree, that's what I want. I don't have the degree. That's not what I want. I want the degree. So we get the degrees. And then we say, well, this degree is going to get me the career I want. Wait, this isn't the career I wanted. I need this career. So we get the career. We get these things. Then we get the boss that in the career we want, but we don't like this boss. That's not who we wanted. And you see how this goes. This, this is not easy to find that it's not what I want. And Barak is faced with an opportunity to lead Israel out from under the rule of the Canaanites. And he's like, yeah. I heard that you were going to promise this victory, but now the weight of victory is a battle? Uh, I don't know if I want the battle part. Let's, let's read on here. So I think we're in verse uh, 9. And she said, I will surely go with you. Uh, Nevertheless, the road on which you were going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera, remember that's the general of the Canaanites, into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak called out Zebulon and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 men went up at his hills, and Deborah went up with him. So they are going into battle, but it's not going how uh, it was initially planned because Deborah's going with them. The opportunity here is the opportunity you and I face with all of our, it's not what I want. And that opportunity is either I lean into this in faith or I shrink back in fear. And what Barak did was shrink back in fear. And there's a reason thousands of years later when people speak about him, like on the stage at Ridgeview Church today, they don't speak about a man who leaned in in faith and and chose faith to get the victory. We, we, We speak about a man who chose to shrink back and said he didn't, he didn't want to do it. And God said, you know what, I'm still going to help you. And he sent Deborah into battle. Now, there's some consequences for the, the way that he chose to do this, and we'll talk about that. But we're moving into battle now. So let's see. Let me, let me see. Are we there? Am I getting ahead of myself? So we've got the opportunity. So let's, yeah, look at verse 9. Uh, this is one I just read, but there's some highlighted stuff. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Now, we don't have time to go into this whole story today, but I will say it's a pretty compelling story if you ever read Judges 4 and 5, and the way that Sisera dies has to do with a bottle of milk, a tent peg, and a hammer. So I'll just leave it at that, and you can, you can, you can read it all on your own uh, another time. But uh, what Barak looked at here were unfavorable circumstances. And you may have this situation too. I know I do. Sometimes God tells me, uh, I want to do this with you. Uh, I, I'm going to give you victory. Let's go do this. But then uh, I look at the circumstances and I say, that, there's no way that could happen. There's no way that could happen. I can't blank. You know, you fill in the blank. This marriage can't be saved. This kid can't be parented. That job is out of my reach. Whatever it is, uh, we, we get hit with these things because we look at our circumstances and we, don't, and we take our eyes off of the God who promised the victory. And that's common. And we want to we wanna get traction with that and really lean in in faith in these moments and these situations and, and really start seeing them as opportunities. What I have before me when I think this is not what I want, it is an opportunity to lean in in faith and take God at his word or to shrink back in fear and miss out on that blessing. And we want to lean in in faith, and that is not easy to do, but there is glory, and there is honor, and there is victory 
in that action. So let's, let's look on here. Um, shrinking back in fear. And there is, a, there is a listening guide in your program today. Uh, it, it helps track. I, I encourage you to take notes, uh, taking notes, writing something down. There's something about it that helps drive it into memory. If you're not taking notes, you can take this and even read through it again this week, though, some of the points and the, and the verses. Because the goal with, with any of these messages on Sunday sermons, isn't, uh, Sunday mornings, is, isn't to just... Um, have a good, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, hour here together and feel good about it and go on our day. If we can work this into the fabric of our life, we actually experience real change, real change in our homes, real changes in our hearts, real changes in our neighborhoods, communities. If you're wondering how the world is changed, it's through people taking action and stepping out in faith and trusting God at his word. And that's what God wants to do with us. And so here we are. Shrinking back in fear causes a few things. One, it's a loss of honor. So Barak is the leader of the military, but he basically said, I can't do it uh, without your help. Now, there are times that you and I need help. There's no doubt about that. But when God has entrusted to you and to me a stewardship, that's mine to take care of. And Barak had everything he needed to do what God asked him to do, and he shrunk back. And you and I will think in moments, this is not what I want. That is true. Can you do it? Yes, you can. With the help of God, you can move through this circumstance, situation, unknown, discouragement, despair, fear, frustration, fill in the blank um, with the help of God. And we need to hold on to that truth. We need to hold on to that truth. So a loss of honor for Barak uh, in that situation, but we lose honor too when we shrink back, when when we uh, have a responsibility to take care of. Next is uh, a loss of self-respect. And that's, that's a hard one. When you start losing respect for yourself, you start believing those lies. Not only is it it's not what I want, it's never what I want. It's never going to be what I want. I can't do this. I can't make progress. And it just spirals. And we lose ground that way. And Barak lost self-respect. Part of, part of the thing, the way God has wired men and women, and there's a marriage book called Love and Respect, because the Bible tells women, uh, uh, men to love your wives. And women are actually called to respect their husbands, because that's a high priority for men. If a man keeps hearing, you can never do anything right. Did you try to, you really tried to fix that? You thought you could fix that? And the self-respect goes down. And if, they're dis- if we are disrespected as men, it, it, does a, it does something. We would rather hear, uh, I mean, if you don't tell us I love you every day, that's not as big a deal as saying, hey, thank you for taking care of that for us. Or thank you for putting gas in my car, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and that's what Barak was losing was self-respect because he didn't stand up. He didn't kind of man up in this moment. Instead of saying, yes, I will take care of this for you, he said, uh, can, can you come with me and help me do this? And again, he had 10,000 men with him, but he was looking at the circumstances because he knew as a military leader, actually, those 10,000 men on paper weren't enough to defeat the Canaanites. They were going to lose. Uh, Canaanites had chariots. So that's like tanks against infantry. Um, so there was a lot of intimidation. Barak was right in seeing the circumstances and saying, we are outmatched. What he wasn't doing in that moment was looking at the God who outmatches everybody who said, I'm on your side. So here's the third thing that shrinking back in fear causes, putting others at risk. Deborah wasn't a warrior. She was a prophet. Her job was to deliver a message to Barak. Now she's going out in the middle of a battle that she, it's not her battle to fight, but she's like, I'll go with you. Uh, she stepped up, and, and you could, I guess, yeah, she stepped up in here, 
And so now Deborah's at risk in a war that she wasn't really supposed to be fighting in. So when we shrink back in fear, we can put others at risk. Now, husbands, uh, in your households, for us, that is, we can, if, if we don't stand up to, uh, tra- to love our wives and to train our kids, everybody under that umbrella of leadership in our home is put at risk. And so that, that is a stewardship that we are entrusted with. And then as, as family members, parents, you know, training your kids, it is hard and it can be exhausting and it can be tiring. And there's days where you're like, is this ever going to work out? But we choose faith and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this the way God tells me to. And if I mess up, which I do, which I will, I'm going to clear it up and we're going to move forward because it's not about us being perfect people, spouses, parents, coworkers, friends, neighbors. It's about us trusting a God who's forgiven us and helps us move forward with all our flaws. This is about the forgiveness of God and Christ's love for us. It isn't about us being perfect. We're just working this out together. We, we need God's help, and God is offering it to us, as we see uh, in, this, in this situation with, with Barak. He's like, I'm, I'm going to give you victory. He is offering you the same thing today in your circumstances, in the middle of your I don't wants. He is offering you and me victory and help and strength. You can get past this. You can experience progress. Do not believe those lies that have been told to you, or maybe you've rehearsed over and over. Like I said, the I don't wants, I can come up with a list real quick of, of I don't wants in my life, even right now. Uh, but we don't stay there. We don't camp there. I don't want this, but, and we'll, we'll get into that, of, of how to really combat that thought in just a little bit. Let me see where I'm at. Sometimes I'll just, I'll just keep going and, you know, you don't want to do that. All right. So, oh, here we are. Chapter 5, verse 2. Um, this is the next chapter. So chapter four, we've been talking about. Chapter five is a victory song. Like they won. They defeated the Canaanites. And this is part of like the song. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. I don't know the tune anyway. But anyway, that, that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Okay, so the, who are the people that are praised in this song? The leaders who took the lead get praised. That wasn't Barak. Uh, that the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. The people who offered themselves, so there's the leaders who led, and there's the people who said, I'm going to be a part, I'm going to trust the, the authority that God's put over me, and I'm following you willingly. And that's, and in our lives, we follow leadership in church. We, we trust the leadership and the direction they're going. At work, we are, we're under authority of a boss. Uh, all areas of life, there's this, and we want to be the people that offer ourselves willingly. And this is specifically... We want to say, God, I trust you. If you say, go this direction, on paper, this looks like a mess. This looks like sure death. But I'm going to offer myself willingly, and these are the people that are singing praises on the other side of this battle. God, uh, the chariots, I mentioned the chariots with the Canaanites. Well, God brought a rainstorm. You know how chariots do in mud? Not well. Not well. And so Barak, he didn't know that before the battle. He knew God would promise him victory, but he saw the circumstances, and he said, there's no way. And with God, there was a way. God can control weather patterns. God brought a storm. The chariots were not useful in a storm. You don't know that on this side of the promise. You just know the promise over here. You have to go through the battle and end up over here, and you look back and like, I couldn't have figured that out. I wouldn't have predicted the rainstorm with the chariots thing. And in your life and in my life, 
we have to go through these things in faith and not just say, God, you spell it all out for me right now. I'm not moving another step. Because the truth is, you're never neutral in life. You're going forward or backwards, but you're never in neutral. If you're, if you're standing with your arms crossed and say, this is not what I want, you're certainly not making progress, but you're certainly not staying in the same spot. And so we want to be people that are taking the steps of faith, and God honors that. God honored it with, with those in, um, in Barak's time, and he honors it with us. So let's get to when facing something I don't want to deal with, I should. So the hope here is that these... Um, these truths from the scripture that we're about to go through are things that we can hang on. They're tangible things that we can hang on to during our days and during our weeks and during our discouragements and during those moments where we want to just pull our hair out and scream or curl up in a ball and say, I am done. None of this I want. I don't want any of it. God has help. Let's look at it. Number one, follow the leader. Let's look at uh, our leader is Christ. If, you're, if you've committed your life to Jesus, he is uh, the boss. If you're still exploring uh, what that means to follow Jesus, there are people here at Ridgeview that would love to talk to you about that. You can actually let us know on your connection card because we know people are, are discovering God um, at their own pace and getting around church and all those things. But as if, if you have committed your life to Christ, you're saying, I trust you to lead me through whatever it is. Through all the I don't wants, I trust you. So follow the leader. Uh, this is uh, Luke twenty two forty two. Let's look at this verse. This is Jesus prior to his crucifixion, which wasn't just like a, uh, a lethal injection and you just go to sleep and you die. This was a brutal, brutal murder that Christ uh, endured. And why? Because a perfect sacrifice was needed to restore mankind's relationship to a perfect God. A perfect God deals with perfection. And that leaves all of us in a precarious spot because we can't be perfect. So what was needed was a perfect sacrifice, and Jesus willingly did this. But the night before, I believe this was the night before he was crucified when he was praying, but it was prior to his crucifixion. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. So Jesus was about to go through a brutal, brutal, brutal crucifixion. Um, and he said, I, and there's some hope in some of this too where, where we think, Jesus thought, this is not what I want. So if you and I are thinking it's not what I want, we're in good company. But he said, if, if you're willing, God, but I want your will to be done, not mine. That's a hard thing to say, right? That's a hard thing to say. But um, he, did, he went through it. He died. Terrible crucifixion. And you know what, though? Three days later, he was alive. And what he did was he conquered most people's biggest fear, which is death. And he said, you have no power you have no power anymore. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you have hope for this life to help us through all the I don't wants, and you have hope for life after death in heaven with Christ and for eternity because of, because of what he did, because of his choice to say, God, I don't want this, and I'll, I'll just tell you now I don't want it. If there's any way we can do this another way, 
I would prefer that, but do what you want to do. May your will be done because when you do your will, it turns out best for everybody. And on this side of that crucifixion and resurrection, I am so thankful that Jesus chose God's will. Right? And so that's where we're at. That we're, we're at um, following the leader. And I, I have a mentor, uh, Pastor Randy Lanthrop. He is the pastor of Church in the Valley. Ridgeview Church started in 2018. We were launched from a church in Ontario Ranch called Church in the Valley. And so Randy Lanthrop's the senior pastor there. And uh, he gave me some advice one time. He said, as with a neutral of heart as you can, pray about something. There was something I was going through. And, you know, there's just situations where you're praying about it, but you already know what you want. Like, uh, I, I, I uh, made this happen, God, made this happen. But you're, and so he, he, he basically gave me the perspective. There are things in life where uh, you're going to have to get as neutral of a heart as you can. It may not be true neutral because you want something. So I'll try to make this short, but uh, my, my wife and I and our three kids were a part of the launch team that helped start Ridgeview Church in 2018. And that was a process. That was a year's process of Pastor Alex uh, uh, feel, uh, sensing God leading him to plant a church, then praying about where to plant the church, and then uh, selecting like a team of people that were willing and uh, ready to, to be a part of a launch team. So my family, in early 2018, uh, we were part of this launch team of 14 people that moved uh, over to Fontana in this area to help start Ridgeview Church. Um, led by Pastor Alex and his wife Samantha, so uh, we put our we, we found out where we we're going to go. God called us to Fontana. We're going to go. We're going to help start a church. Um, so we got to sell our house. So we put our house on the market early March or by early. I'm sorry, my wife's on the front row. I'm going to get the dates wrong. But anyways, it was early 2018, and um, we were going to be the first ones from the launch team to move to Fontana, and we we're going to get settled in. And welcome everybody. Let's go start a church, right? So, um, and then. Uh, Apparently in 2008, we'd owned since 2003, we we were rezoned into a flood zone, and I didn't know why that mattered until I went to sell my house. People don't want to buy houses in flood zones. So uh, our house fell out of escrow. This was March, right? And then in April, we had found a house in Fontana and put a bid on it, and we were like in there. Our kids had gone to the house. We'd met people in the neighborhood. They're playing with one of the kids in the neighborhood. We had a new home in Fontana. We were going to start the church. God wanted it. It's a church, and we prayed, and he wants us here. And uh, our house sold again, and then it fell out of escrow again. And then the house we won and went back on the market. And then I go to that house one day because I'm like, well, maybe you still want us to be here, right? Of course you do, God. We want it. We like it. It's a church. It's Fontana. You want this? Let's all do this the way we want it done. So I'm in this house. It's completely empty. It's the one we thought we were moving into. And I'm sitting there alone, and I say, with a... <sighs> Sorry. With as neutral a heart as I can, God, I I do not want to rip from your hand something that you don't want me to have. Something along those lines. I was like, God, I thought this was where we needed to be, but, you know, your will be done. So So that house went back on the market. Then our house sold again. Then our house fell out of escrow again. Then our house sold again. Then our house fell out of escrow again. By that time, the house we wanted was sold and gone. I'm like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I thought the Fontana thing was happening, Ridgeview Church, all that. And so uh, in late July, our house sold. We, and in that whole time, we did this whole process of getting our house out of the flood zone. And it turns out we weren't in the flood zone, but it was, you know, you got to prove yourself innocent in, in that situation, I guess. So anyways, um, we were the last people to get to Fontana from the launch team. Mid-October, 
2018. And part of it is you want to sell your house and move right into the other one. We, couldn't, we, we had to move into storage, stay with family for two months, which was actually a really sweet time for my kids and their cousins to live together in two months. We all still really loved each other by the end of it all, so it was a win. And then um, we moved to Fontana. But one of the things we wanted to frame for our kids was that we will be through situations that we don't want. I can give you a, a list of I don't wants during that time from March to October, but we will be inconvenienced if it means we're trying to go and help other people know the God that has changed our lives. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's worth the inconvenience because my wife know how our marriage has changed because of the help that we got at the church we were at, how our parenting has changed, how uh, work, all these things that we have to, you and I all have to deal with every day. We said we want to be a part of a community that takes this to Fontana to <clears throat> bless and help others uh, however God wants to do it because he is a good God and we want people to know this good God. And so that was one of those situations where as neutral of a heart as I can, God, I think I want this, and I can give you all kinds of reasons why that place, we, the home we ended up with is much better than what I thought we needed at the beginning, you know, of that thing. So, all right, in the interest of time, let's scoot along here. Number two that you want to do, follow the leader, and then the next thing is you want to use the shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16, let's look at that verse. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. How many circumstances should we take up the shield of faith? All. And, uh, but, but how many attacks from the enemy can it extinguish? All. The shield of faith. So the shield of faith is not someone else's job uh, to do in your life. You have to exercise faith. And you have to put that up. And all the flaming darts of the evil one, the evil one is the enemy. The enemy is Satan. The Satan, Satan has plans. Some of his biggest tactics are all these thoughts we're going through in this message series. It's not what I want. I'm too tired. I'm the only one. It's not fair. All of those things are some of his biggest uh, attacks and darts, fiery darts. But we want to hold up the shield of faith. And in all circumstances, we do that, and we say, God, I am not going to give in to this thought. I trust you, and here's kind of what it looks like. Uh, we're going to replace it's not what I want with God is in control, and he will not rip me off. If you want to know how to do battle with the enemy, uh, but with the help of God, this is, you want to use these moments when you're thinking, this is not what I want. Let that be an opportunity. When you think that thought, say, ah, I have an opportunity. Thank you, God. And then you, you, you say the truth. It's not what I want, right? That, that is true. But how do we combat that? Because we don't live there. God is in control, and he will not rip me off. I, I can say that. That's been true for my family uh, in, in taking a faith move to, to sell and to uproot and to, to plant here and to help, but also for uh, the choices my parents made uh, when I was 11, uh, that God wouldn't rip them off uh, uprooting their kids from the only little town they ever knew. And, and that's true. Many years, late, decades later, God is in control and he will not rip me off. Okay, let's look at Philippians 4.11. And part of this, what we're getting to here is to be present where you are. We can all look back at the past and we have regrets or we have, I don't, that's not what I want. If they hadn't done that to me, I wouldn't even be in this situation. If they hadn't fired me or they hadn't lied or they hadn't gotten divorced or they hadn't treated me that way, I wouldn't be here. 
and we can spend so much time back here that we're not present now. Or we can say, well, what about this or what about that in the future? How's this going to work? You know, like Barak did. That's not going to work out. They got chariots. And, and we can spend so much time in the future that we're not present here. And what my encouragement to you today is be present. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes if I'm annoyed, maybe it's something I, I don't even control. It's a headline in the news or something, something that's out of my control. But it can make me so upset that my kid will come into the room and ask me a question, and I'll snap at them. And, and uh, they're actually my stewardship my household and my family, and now I'm mistreating them because of something that I have no control over, that's me not being present in the moment. I'm thinking about something way out here, way over there, and I can't believe this, and I need to get control of that and be present. Philippians 4.11, not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am, whatever. Now, the Apostle Paul had been imprisoned, beaten. Uh, He wrote the book of Philippians. Lots of ups and downs in his life. And he's saying, in whatever circumstance I am, whether it's prisons, beatings, attacks, or good. He, he had a lot of good things happen too, but he's like, I've learned to be content in whatever. Right where I'm at, instead of I don't, it's not what I want, God, you are in control and you will not rip me off. We've got to remember that. And we've got to really grab onto that in those moments where I, the I don't want, this is not what I want, is pulling us down. Because it leads to cynicism, and if you're cynical, you can't be thankful. I really believe that. I really believe that if you're thankful and you, you have a heart of gratitude and you're developing that heart, it's really hard to be cynical about things. But otherwise, uh, it, it can lead us down that wrong path. Um, so the, God worked on my heart in the summer uh, uh, between my fifth and sixth grade year. And actually, by the time it was time to move to California, I, um, I was ready, which is weird to say. Um, and and I, I smiled. I did. And, uh, and I married a girl from <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know it was going to be such a weep fest today. Sorry about that. <laughs> but I, I married a girl from California. I didn't go back. <laughs> The lady from the bank was right. <laughs> um, but, but it was good. See, the things that people said, this is bad, don't do this. Yeah, it happened, and it was good. It, it, was, it was very good. So I'm going to finish this. My goodness. <clears throat> All right, so number three, the, the last thing that you can do. Uh, face, uh, face, where are we at? Yeah, anyways. Take... <laughs> You guys see it. Take wise, decisive action. Proverbs 21, 21. Let's read that verse. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. So we want to pursue righteousness, right living, right living before God. That's what we try to do here at Ridgeview is what, is, what does it look to live right? What does it look to parent right, to be a, a right employee, to be a right spouse? What does that look like? And let's pursue that and let's be kind about it. Pursue righteousness and kindness and you'll find life, and you'll find righteousness, and you'll find honor on the other side of these things. And sometimes in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like that, and that's called faith. I'm moving through this battle. God's promised victory on the other side. That's what, that's what they told, uh, Barak was told, but you got to fight. You got to go to the battle. There's, there's stewardships that are entrusted to you that you have a grip on that you can't let go of. And then here's this, those who willingly offer themselves to do right before God gain honor. You will gain that. I think there's a point I skipped in the middle. It may, I think it may be on your listening guide, though. 
Yeah, it's on the bottom, and I, it's actually a pretty key point, so I'm going to read it. It says, God can use what you don't want to bring you exactly where you need to be. So in the middle of your I don't wants, just know that God may be using this to take you exactly where you need to be, that you couldn't get there on your own, figuring it out. But on the other side, you think, I don't. I would have never figured that out. Just like I would have never figured out there'd be a rainstorm, the chariots wouldn't work. And God's like, well, I, I told you I would take care of it. I didn't maybe give you an itemized list, an itemized list of this is how it's going to look and this is how it's going to look on this day. Those are the days where you're exercising faith in the middle of the I don't want, or it's not what I want. So, uh, yeah, so there's that point there. Thank you for bringing that up. We're going to wrap up here. We're kind of up against it. I do want to just encourage you, because God is good, he can be trusted. And I just, I encourage you this week as, as you encounter these opportunities when it's not what you want to say, God is in control and he will not rip me off. And I believe that by faith. And that's where, where you want to start. So let's look at some next steps uh, today uh, that maybe you could do. And we do next steps every week. They're just ways to really practically put legs to these things that we're talking about and how we can apply them and work them into the fabric of our life. So my first next step today may be to identify a circumstance or a situation that is not what I want and take it to God in prayer. So God, this is going on and I am so discouraged or I'm so tired of this situation and God is big enough to hear your list and he's loving enough to listen and help you. So that may be something. The next one here is to put on the shield of faith by, and maybe it's by just memorizing that, uh, that verse in Ephesians about the shield of faith, or just memorizing that, that little term where it's, God is in control and he will not rip me off. That's the shield of faith. I'm going to put that up right now. I, I don't want this, but God is in control and he's not going to rip me off, and that is the truth, and that is what I stand on. So uh, you can kind of identify how you want to put on the shield of faith this week. Those are suggestions, and then there's a, a verse here you may want to memorize, Luke twenty two forty two, and that's the one that Jesus prayed. Uh, you know, not if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please do it. But if if not, your your will be done, not mine. And then the other one is Philippians uh, four eleven. You may want to memorize that, which is uh, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. And we need God to help us with that. So I hope uh, this has been a help to you. And um, that as you go through your week, you can remember, use, these, use, these opportun- use them as opportunities, these, these thoughts that come up that get us stuck. I'm too tired, which Pastor Cameron spoke on last week, or it's not what I want, and say, this is an opportunity to step out in faith. Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promises that we can hold on to, and you keep your promises. We ask for the strength and the clarity on how to move forward today in whatever circumstance we are going through right now. We thank you that we are not alone because we have you and we have the body of Christ, the people here at Bridgeview to go shoulder to shoulder with us, to help walk through life with us. We thank you for your goodness. Give us help this week as we look to honor you in all we do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.